0: Good evening. Welcome to Dr. Seuss Film Podcast. First and foremost, I want to thank Jason Almey for last night's show. It really pumped me up. And I know it pumped him up too. And, you know, this is almost like a class in a way. Because, you know, I was raised in an education background. and educational background. And I also went into education for about three years. Myself, you know, there's always a pop quiz. But there's no pop quiz here. You know, we're just going to... Go through, and we're going to break down everything that we've learned for Noir November. You know, and also Jason talked about semantics and um, you know applying things in situations and stylistic observations to these characters, femme fatales, detective, and how it really it can go beyond. It's to call it Neo Noir. You know, is really a slap in the face because it is noir. It may not be totally noir like Blade Runner. Blade Runner is such a brilliant movie, and I've said this before. You know, the the detractors of Ridley Scott really like to drive off on him, and you know, and that's the thing. We don't really need those critics. We and. In all actuality, you don't, Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert, may he rest in peace. He did say some good things about films. But it's not the holy grail, okay? And, you know, at the end of the day, a movie is what you make of it. An example of that, and this is not film noir, ...is the movie Tammy. I Yes, I know. Oh my god, you're going to talk about Tammy. Here's the thing. I remember having a bad day from work. It was maybe about four years ago. And Tammy came on, and I thought it was the funniest shit I'd ever seen. Oh my god. That's what a movie does to you. It reinvigorates you, okay? And doing this podcast has reinvigorated my love of doing podcasts. Because then I actually have something to talk about. It's not like Seinfeld, where it's a show about nothing... But in all actuality, that was a show about something. It was about these, th- these individuals who are strange and eccentric who come together, have a commonality. They always go to that diner. They're always up to these shenanigans, and Kramer is always there. And George Costanza. Well, if it if you if it gets wet, it shrinks. We all know that, you know. Or is Jerry Seinfeld. So I love Jerry Seinfeld. So famously said, "What is the deal?" Yeah. We know. How are we going to apply that to Film Noir? Well, because Film Noir is what you make of it. If you look at the music... Music videos have dominated our lives for the past 40 years. MTV, uh, one of my good friends, whom I'm thinking about tonight, such an amazing guy, always makes me laugh. I wonder what he's going to do next. Um, Used to work for MTV. So I would always joke with him and say... My copyright See, I can't sing it on here Because Sting will come after me And, you know, um, money, money, money For any, everything <laughs> Hey, we're having fun tonight And so what I've learned is, okay You know, these film noirs The music videos, look at the music videos A good example Smooth criminal, Michael Jackson Okay, there are some noir aspects to that. The hat, the clothes, the movements, the mystery, the style, okay, the sound of the record. You know, he he was a visual person, and you know he's thinking of the video as he's making the song, okay. Same with Prince. These two icons who are gone. Prince was a visual person, and sonically, and metaphorically. I mean, there is new war and even Prince. I mean, think of the movie, the the performance movie that he did sign of the times. Okay. And the, the dark edgy feel and sound of that album of that title song. You've got the look. I mean, come on, you know, there's no backstory to any of this. And that's what noir is. You get the backstory in the flashback and sometimes you don't the big sleep And, you know, and I'm even going to go against Eddie Mueller. I I love New War Alley, but there's a problem with it, is that you all think, oh, he speaks the Holy Grail. Now, understand something, I'm not religious whatsoever. I'm spiritual, so I'm just going to say that. If there's some Monty Python fans listening, great. Let's dive in. Eddie Mueller, you know, that's his opinion of what New War is. I'm here to tell you that the big sleep is film New War. It's not the trappings of film New War, it is motherfucking film New War, okay, Eddie Mueller? You think of all the New Wars that Humphrey Bogart did, Humphrey Bogart is an icon. If he had lived, he'd still be an icon. If he had, I mean, you think of a lot of his contemporaries who outlived him. James Cagney being one of them. If he had lived as long as James Cagney, he would still be that icon Bogart. You can't take that away from him. And it's so funny when they call these pop stars these living legends. No, until you've lived it and smoked it and fucked it. You are a living legend. You you're just getting started. Go ahead and walk those legs. They're brought to you by Haynes, okay? As I say that, I think of um <laughs> this one's for you by Neil Young. Oh my god, that's such a great song. That's such a great video. The you know, the humor, the parody, the anguish, the anger, the the revelation within his songs. I'm I am such a fan. Even Neil Young has New War aspects to his psyche. So New War is in everything. The Simpsons have parodied New War, okay? And it's an amazing thing. And what we've learned is, you know, we've learned about, okay, you know, we've learned about Humphrey Bogart, we've learned about Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum, who does not get a lot of credit. And he later played in The Big Sleep in the 1970s. You know, that lit cigarette, those situations, the blinds, oh, the blinds, yeah, here we go. This is wonderful right here. That people are writing articles how to get the film noir effect. The lighting. Yes. Set design. You could do this too. Take out your pads and pens, and this is your test. Your costumes, the narrative. And that's why recently I brought up Magnum PI. Is because think of Magnum PI. Think of, okay, that was 40 years ago. That was 40 years ago. That there are film noir aspects within the psyche of Thomas Magnum. You think I'm crazy, but listen to this. The narration. You got to remember, he would always narrate that episode. And then one time he joined forces with Carol Burnett. Remember, she went to detective school. She says, you know, Thomas Magnum, you're not the only one. And then she, too, has her own narration, and it's hilarious, okay? And also, as the show continues on, like a great detective, we get a backstory to Thomas Magnum, okay? I bring this up because I, I was born in 1980, The year that Magnum P.I. began. It began late because of the writer's strike. It continued on until 1988. And I remember the last episode of Magnum P.I. I I remember watching it. I remember uh, because, you know, at one point they canceled it and they got so much hate that they had to bring it back, you know. And also, I'd be remiss if I don't mention Higgins. Remember, the, remember Higgins? Higgins is a girl now on the new one, so we're not even going to mention the new one because there's no noir aspects to the new one. I'm not downgrading it, but there's something to be said about the narration, the design. you gotta, you got to think of all these situations, these mysterious things going on within the psyche of Thomas Magnum. And then we learn that he's a Vietnam vet that hadn't been portrayed before on television. Vietnam was very t- fresh and the that, that was 10 years later very fresh okay it's still fresh don't touch it yeah especially in this country where people go off on the Vietnam vets that's, that's the worst thing you could do it's sad it's sad and you know and also we talk about film noir a lot of these guys are former GIs they were in the military You think of Denzel Washington's character In Devil in a Blue Dress He was in the military he Comes back, World War II, he's a hero the People in this country want nothing to do with him Because he's black That's another part of New It's not belonging Being outside of society As Patti Smith would say And then you have You know, Humphrey Bogart's character in Key Largo, also a veteran. Okay? Perry Mason, Matthew Reese playing Perry Mason, a veteran with shell shock syndrome. The noir aspects of Perry Mason are there They're in your face, they slap you around He's getting drunk He's taking a baseball bat to this fire um, truck That he was supposed to send his son Because him and his wife are now divorced That's the stuff of film noir Last night, Jason asked me, you know, something episodic that is along the lines of film noir, and it is Perry Mason. But it's also, if you go back and watch Magnum P.I., it's not just about having fun. It's not about the beautiful location of Hawaii. And I've been to Hawaii. It's not about that. You know what it's about? It's about this detective, Thomas Magnum, and his boss, Higgins. And this father-son dynamic between them, okay, and Thomas Magnum having to prove himself, because this guy is an amazing detective. But also, as I said, the narration—that's what pulls it along the lines of film noir. Okay, think about that. Forty years later, forty years later, Tom Selleck's doing Blue Bloods, which I personally don't care for. You know I I think we're all used to him with that mustache The Hawaiian shirt Driving the Ferrari Those credits roll It's the stuff of film noir Now you know Cary Grant has been in a, fil- a few film noirs I'm going to bring up Cary Grant Because we talked about him last night If you think of North by Northwestern Okay Think of those movies that he did with Hitchcock Sherrod Which he did with Audrey Hepburn. (laughs) Now, The Thin Man, that's a detective story. Yes, this is way before the term film noir. And at the same time, it's a screwball comedy. So there are noir aspects within The Thin Man, okay? This term film noir really can, we could calculate it to other films that are before the term genre was defined. And you can say, I mean, an example of that, look at World War One. It wasn't called World War One until after World War II. It was known as the Great War. And so a lot of these titles don't come until later on. You know, and we don't have a timer to tell us to wrap it up. And so here's your assignment. If you could do this, my audience, okay, how to get the film New appeared. We've, all, we've got smartphones. I want you to go to the black and white setting. You can do it. Do your lighting. Get some blinds. If you have kids, don't get the blinds because they're dangerous for the kids. Some set design. Move things around. Costumes. Get that Bogart hat. Fedora. Get that coat. That nice long pea coat. The narrative. Before you go around creating the film noir effect, make sure your story fits the look. Film noir. At the end of the day, it's all about murder, mystery, dystopia, oppression, and human vices, etc. So make sure, okay, Siri, make sure you know what you're doing. Though there are no hard and fast rules, it's better to play it safe, unless, of course, you're doing a parody or a spoof. You know That's incorrect in a way Because Well no It's just incorrect You don't Film the war You don't play it safe Look at those detectives If they'd played it safe They would've stayed In the shoe store No Look at Perry Mason If he'd played it safe He would've gone into law Way before But it takes that moment It takes that moment Of him as a detective Going into law And it's fast Because there's a case, there's a murder, and he wants to solve it. And the only way is for him to go to the forefront, doing things that he doesn't want to do. He's not playing it safe in Perry Mason. And that's where it's film noir right there. These detectives don't play it safe. Look at the shit that Bogart does in The Maltese Falcon, okay? And The Big Sleep in Key Largo. That end point in Key Largo, Think, think of that end. Think of him hovering. Okay? And he's got that gun. If you've never seen Key Largo, that's all I'm going to say. There were two endings to Key Largo. Okay? There's an alternate ending. And the ending that they chose is amazing. And it's the stuff of film noir legend. Last night, we talked about how film noir, yeah, it, it can be parodied. Like melodrama, it can be parodied. I mean... Those Joan Crawford movies can be parodied because it's great melodrama. She slaps the guy. You know, Carol Burnett probably was the best of the parody pranksters. I mean, we've all seen the Gone with the Wind parody, you know, Went with the Wind. Oh, Scarlett, that dress, it's fetching. Oh, thank you. I just saw it in the window. I couldn't resist it. Yeah. (laughs) And then she also parodied Mildred Pierce. Twice calling it Mildred Fierce. And she did parody the movie Mildred Pierce. Vicki Lawrence plays Vita. Every time I say that name, I want to say Velvita, but it's Vita. And in the in Mildred Pierce, and I bring up Mildred Pierce, and here's why. Okay. I grew up with I grew up surrounded by feminists. You think of Joan Crawford Love her or hate her The fact there are very few women In film noir Here is Joan Crawford She's fresh off the block at Warner Brothers Okay, She's left Metro Golden mayor She's new at Warner Brothers She's in her 40s That's a death sentence in Hollywood and what does she do? She fights for this role of playing Mildred Pierce. Michael Curtis, this Academy Award winning director of Casablanca, doesn't want to touch her. It doesn't want those shoulders, as he says, oh, those shoulders. But then she does the screen test. And like always, she fights for it. That's what Joan Crawford's thing in life was to fight for it. Whether she's telling you to Bring her the axe Which we all know Was probably a parody Or I'm not mad at you I'm mad at the dirt We've all seen Mommy dearest Come on It's a kabuki performance Fade on away But back to Joan Crawford When she got that part Of Mildred Pierce And what she did with it She's not playing The melodramatic Bitch That she played In so many roles That that became a Parody the Joan Crawford look The makeup, the hair, the style Where she's playing this um, per- Perhaps Butch lesbian In uh, Johnny Guitar Along with Mercedes McCambridge who I don't even know Who knows, we don't know But back to Mildred Pierce What she brings in Mildred Pierce Okay, you gotta understand The way Mildred Pierce starts off How does it start off? You see this beautiful setting in black and white. You see the ocean. You see this nice house. And then you hear the three gunshots. And then he falls down. And what does he say? Mildred. Did she do it? You're going to find out if you watch the movie. And then you see this lonely woman in a fur coat walking along the banks. Looking down. Looking Upset. And the police officer assumes she wants to kill herself And says, hey lady, don't you jump in And she says to him, leave me alone And then it does the flashback The flashback narrative And you get to see how things unfolded the way they did And at the heart of it is this femme fatale Who's young, who thinks she's got it all But looks down upon her mother Doesn't realize what her mother has had to do to give her and her sister a better life. And that, of course, is Vita, played by Anne Blythe. Anne Blythe is still with us. She played Vita so well she got nominated for an Academy Award along with Eve Arden for Best Supporting Actress. Mildred Pierce, you see this evolution from this woman who's been thrown in, spit out, trampled upon by society and she works her way up and the, the sounds, the sights the stylistic approach are film noir okay and that film fatale vita just keeps getting stronger and stronger in her darkness and what happens she says to her mother she confronts her mother and says look you've never told me about your people and she starts to rap rag rag on her mother, basically. Not realizing her mother is a self-made woman. And that's, that's the important thing to take away from Mildred Pierce. I love that movie. I think of my grandmother right now as I talk about it. My grandmother loved classic films. But see, you gotta understand something. It wasn't classic to her, because that's her era. And you know, she would tell me she'd go see like three or four movies a week. Because what else are you going to do in Oakland, California? There's no there's no wide open spaces. You either go to the park, you go to the junkyard, you get some roller skates and you go skating. Or you get a bag full of dog crap and light it on fire and leave it on someone's doorstep, as she told me. And then... You also go to the movies and you see Mildred Pierce and you see The Big Sleep and Key Largo. My grandmother was a teenager when Key Largo came out. So you know she's watching it thinking, oh, Bogart, come on. Yeah. Or watching those Mae West movies. They weren't filmed noir, come on. But it's within the canon and it's within the context of what I'm talking about. And I also want to mention my late professor and friend. You know, um, I remember I would go and see her, and we were talking about classic cinema. And she says to me, "You are too young. That's part. That's my generation." And I said, "I understand that, but I love it." And she taught art and music, so she's teaching us about these these characters, these art, these icons, these. Romantic heroes, these, you know, conductors, uh, Beethoven and and, uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, you know, Salvador Dali, Elvis Presley, Claude Monet, you know, um, Pablo Picasso. She's teaching us about these amazing icons that are beyond. This is before any of us were born. And she loves it. She also taught us about the founding fathers and how flawed they were. And the country that we live in and how they built this country. How this country, you know, went against the British and said, look, we're going to form our own country. And what it took, the bravery to do that. The balls, the cojones, okay, or as um, my Yiddish friends would say, the chutzpah, chutzpa, yeah. You know, they would also say yemashuga, which is crazy in Yiddish. Um, I love film noir. I love that. Those who are no longer with us, I can conjure them when I watch these movies. I can feel their presence like, hey, you're watching something good. Be be very thankful you're able to do that. That you can watch it on your phone, on your tablet. That you can recite those lines. He is looking at you, kid. Now, that's not film noir, but it's, it's, it's Bogart. If I if there's one thing I could leave you with Because tomorrow will be the end of Film Noir The series There's such a great moment In a film that I just love I've talked about it Eddie Mueller's talked about it too And you know we're gonna go against Eddie Mueller We have to We have to I, I love you Eddie but <laughs> You know what Mm. Yeah this movie is amazing. Whether whatever you feel or think of the the plot, the narrative. It's amazing. Oh, ah, okay. It did get an intro on Noir Alley, the big sleep, but we're not gonna play his intro. Yeah. This is a Doctor Zeus film podcast. This is not Noir Alley. Okay. Hmm. Perfect. This is where it's at. Listen and realize. This is film noir at its best. Yes, the music is playing. I may get in trouble, but fuck it. We're here anyway. Pretty close to the truth. You'll have to send Carmen away from a lot of things. They have places for that. Maybe they can cure. It's been done before. i will have to tell your father about Regan. I think he can take it. One thing, <sighs> Me. What's wrong with you? Nothing you can't fix. That's the scene. That's the line. That is the big sleep. That is the stuff. Or I'll quote Bogart again because I'm—I loved him so much. Watching him as a filmmaker myself. The stuff that dreams are made of. Yes, a quote from Mr. William Shakespeare delivered centuries later in John Huston's directorial debut, The Maltese Falcon, 79 years ago. As always, unpleasant dreams. What's wrong with you? Nothing you can't fix. My hat's off to you, Bogart and Bacall, wherever you are.